it's amazing because he didn't know my story. And that's exactly what was going on. <laughs> so oh, I, I started to cry and I said, God, I know. Thank you for that reminder. And then everything changed. I, I did go to, to the big city and I did start taking architecture, but I also started the seminary, the yes. Baptist seminary there in the town. And, and later on, I have to make that decision, architecture or, 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 or theology. And I, I decided to, to study theology and, and, and then I... You know, Which is another form of architect. architecture. <laughs> <laughs> We're building a church. You're building a kingdom building, right? <laughs> yeah, right. You're I love right. it. I'm Byron Tyler. Pleasure for me to have you stop by. We are actually on location at Bellevue Baptist Church. It's a summit with Tennessee Baptists across the entire state of Tennessee gathering for their annual meeting. And we've been meeting some wonderful pastors and learning about different ministries while we're here. And we're going to introduce you now to someone that's right here in Memphis, Tennessee from Trinity Baptist Church the associate pastor, Jerson Garros. Jerson, what do you think about this summit so far? Well, I, first of all, I want to just greet all the, our listeners and uh, just say I'm enjoying this conference. I grew up going to many uh, state <laughs> conventions and a few national conventions in my, my country of origin, Brazil. I'm from Brazil, and, and this is, is wonderful, very well organized. And I was surprised this morning that for the first time, you know, they they finish ahead of time. So <laughs> this is a surprise. <laughs> so it's very well organized. Now, what that, kind that, of Baptist would finish on time, right? Yeah, Something can't I was be right. surprised. I had to celebrate. <laughs> and of course, uh, you speak Portuguese yes. as your home language. Mm -hmm. But you've been away from Brazil for how long now? Yeah, uh, I've been here in, in Memphis, uh, more precisely in Cordova, Tennessee, for almost six years now. I remember when you first came, Todd Payne, our general manager who mm -hmm. attends the church where you serve, he was all excited to know that yeah. you were coming, your family. Tell us something about your wife and your mm -hmm. family. Yes, uh, I hope Todd is still excited about it. <laughs> I know he is. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, I'm married to Denise. We've been married 30 years. This year we're celebrating our 30th anniversary. Denise and I, we have two kids. Guilherme, he turned uh, 25 and he's about to finish his uh, study at the University of Memphis, a political science. And my daughter, Georgia, she finished uh, her uh, college degree last December in uh, social work. They're both working here in Memphis, They're very well integrated in our community. Uh, he works at the restaurant and she works as a ESL teacher at one of the schools here, high okay. school here in wow. Memphis. Yeah. Yeah. Jerzyn, talk about some of the backstory of mm -hmm. growing up in Brazil, mm -hmm. what life was like in your family. You know, mm -hmm. were you raised mm -hmm. in a home that taught you about Jesus? Mm -hmm. Yeah, I was I was pleased and fortunate enough to, to, to be uh, part of a family that knew the Lord. Actually, my whole family has a they have a long tradition of being part of the Christian faith. My great grandparents moved from my mother's side from Germany to Brazil, and they were already Christians when they first came to Brazil. From my father's side was the same thing. My great-grandfather came from Latvia to southern Brazil. So I, I really grew up in a, in a, a Christian home, and uh, not only nominal Christian, but they're always you know, very faithful Christians. My, my both my grandfathers from both sides of the family, uh, they helped to start a Brazilian Baptist church in Brazil. <laughs> There's a little bit of a story behind that. <laughs> We're in a, in a very Germanic city or part of the country. Until 1960, all the services were in German. Remember, we're in Brazil, and the, sermons, the service was everything in German. The church was more like a country club, you know, for the Germans who were living there and without the, 
the the vision to reach out the, the, the Brazilians, of course, the, the Portuguese-speaking folks. And so both my grandparents said, this is not fair. We need to reach out our community. Not everybody speaks German here in this city anymore. So they helped to start. It's a funny name, almost a, uh, kind of strange to have a Brazilian Baptist church in Brazil. So it was the, the name of the city, you know, Brazilian Baptist church of that city, of that location in southern Brazil. I love that story, Jerzy, mm -hmm. and, and talking about your grandparents, mm -hmm. knowing that they realized something wasn't right. You know, <laughs> I mean, when the gospel truly is alive in our hearts, we know we can't be contained, right? It, it has exactly. to be shared. It, it has to be invested in other people's lives. Mm -hmm. And mm -hmm. what a great story knowing your grandparents yeah. laid that foundation. Yeah, and it's important because we got to always be careful with, uh, with the whole idea of church because so easily a church can become a country club or, or, or a place where we feel comfortable. We want only those who are like us speak the same language, yes. look alike. Yeah. And that what was going on. It was a large church at that time, but still f not fulfilling the, the, the main call, which is to reach out to others for the Lord. Yes. So they started this church in 1960. This church is still there. Both churches are still there. Beautiful. Oh, what a beautiful church. <laughs> but they story. changed, you know, the, 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 the German church. Now they have services in Portuguese. And I hope, I think they still might have one service in German, <laughs> but it changed around. Of course, thank God for that. Yeah, yes, yeah. thank God for that. <laughs> So growing up, some of your dreams, did you want to go into the ministry? Did you want to be a soccer player? I mean, what, I mean, what, I mean did you want to be a businessman? I mean, what were some of the dreams yeah. you had growing up? Yeah, I'm not the typical Brazilian that loves carnival and plays <laughs> soccer very well. <laughs> not all of them are like that. I didn't mean to put you in a category <laughs> <No>. there. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fine. I do love soccer and I, I'm playing soccer a lot. Even in our church here in, in Cordova, we play soccer with internationals every uh, Sunday afternoon and Thursday evening sometimes we do as a way to reach out our community because yep. sports is something that really calls people together and, and it's a good thing. But, uh, well, my dreams, when I, when I was growing up, uh, I never thought about joining ministry. It was really a God thing. God called me to ministry when I was 12. I kind of put aside that call and I was ready to move to a different city to go to university. And my very last Sunday when I was at my hometown church, uh, ready to go to study architecture uh, in the big city. Uh, that was when the Lord reminded me that he had a call in my life. And it was very interesting the way God used that particular Sunday. Remember, my, my second to last Sunday in my city, I would move to the big city to go to uh, college, university. And then a church member at the end of a service was a service focusing on, on uh, ministry. I, sh I should say this. But I didn't feel anything about it. Oh, just, yeah, regular service. At the end of the service, one old man from our church, to finish the service, he prayed, Lord, if you have called somebody in this church in the past, and that person has put that uh, call aside, speak to that person again right now. It's amazing because he didn't know my story. And that's exactly what was going on. <laughs> so oh, I, I started to cry and I oh said, God, I know. Thank you for that reminder. <laughs> and then everything changed. I, I did go to, to the big city. And I did start taking architecture, but I also started the seminary, the, yes. the Baptist seminary there in the town. And, and later on, I have to make that decision, architecture or, 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 or theology. And I, I decided to, to study theology. And, and, and then I, you know. Which is another form of architecture. <laughs> <laughs> We're building a church. <laughs> You're building a kingdom building, right? <laughs> yeah, right. You're I love right. it. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. yeah. So, so God was so merciful and he called me to ministry. And uh, then, uh, of course, I went to seminary. And uh, while I was st still uh, during the seminary, 
I, I didn't know exactly where I would fit into ministry. And that's something that happens to many seminary students. They, oh, I know that God called me, but we need to just give a step of faith. Uh, God does not reveal everything at once of what we, uh, He wants to do with our lives, even when He calls us into ministry. The only thing I knew that God wanted me to be there, but to do exactly what, I didn't know. I wasn't so sure. Uh, but in my very last year at the seminary, doing my Bachelor's of Theology there, I got a call from the, the principal or the director of the seminary saying, you know, we got a scholarship. There's a mission in the United States that is uh, willing to pay, give a scholarship to one of our students who has the potential to become a teacher. So that person has to go to the United States, do the master, take a master's degree, and then come back to teach. So I was chosen to do that. So that's what I did. So I, I, as soon as I finished my education, uh, my, my Bachelor of Theology, and also studied journalism <laughs> at the same time, yeah. uh, things that I did. And, <laughs> and so I, came to, I went to South Dakota, Sioux Falls, <laughs> South Dakota, to a, uh, a seminary run by a, a Baptist denomination called North American Baptist. Did you think the climate was maybe conducive <laughs> to, uh, you know, beaches and southern life? <laughs> yeah, yeah. It was a little bit different. Yeah. <laughs> so I spent three years in, in South Dakota, did my master's degree there, and then I went back to Brazil and I taught for seven years. I was academic director of the seminary there. and. Uh, that God led me, you know, took me to different ministries, but uh, that's kind of how it all started, yeah. I love the fact that you share the story of this man who prayed, not knowing mm -hmm. your story, mm -hmm. but realizing that the church is where are those who are sent out, you know? Mm -hmm. They come in to be discipled, become followers of Christ, and then sent out. And sending those out into the world for mm -hmm. kingdom building, you know? Back when I was in Bible college, I had a professor... Paul Davison. He was the teacher that when you had Old Testament survey, he made you feel like he was standing by Moses when he parted the Red Sea. <laughs> wow. You know, he was that kind of professor. After he got married, he got on a ship in New York City, he and his bride, and they sailed to Brazil. Mm. And he started a, a seminary there. And I can't tell you what seminary it was. I, I don't know that I remember. It's been so many years ago. He was there for over 20 years. And then God brought him back mm -hmm. to the States. And he came to Memphis mm -hmm. and was teaching at the Bible College here in Memphis, where I was at at the time. Mm -hmm. It was interesting because a lot of his notes were still in Portuguese. Okay. <laughs> and so when he would teach, sometimes he would forget where he was. And he would be talking in Portuguese. Wow. He would say, what are you doing? You know, Brother D, we can't understand you, you know. Uh, <laughs> so. Yeah, yeah. So that's what brought you to the States. And did you know yeah. your wife prior to coming? Uh, yeah, but I, when I went back to Brazil, then I started serving in, in the church that she was part of. So even though I, we were acquaintances, uh, but when I came back to Brazil and then I was doing my ministry there and then God brought us together, uh, and it started a wonderful story of love and, and uh, we've been together as a family, as a couple for 30 years now. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So your role as associate pastor at Trinity, what does that look like? How does that unfold each week for you? Is it always different? <laughs> <laughs> well, associate pastor, that's a good time, a good way to describe associate pastor. Right? We, we serve when there's a need. And, and we tease that sometimes when pastor doesn't want to do anything, he, not anything, a particular thing, he calls the associate pastor. That's not the case. Pat, Matt is a great man, a great pastor, a great friend. And, but being associate pastor, I, I do have some very specific areas or roles in the church, uh, mostly with missions and uh, Christian education. So I try to develop, uh, especially with missions, uh, uh, we live in Cordova, right? Cordova, uh, uh, for those of you who are around area, Cordova has become the most multi-ethnic part of Memphis, diverse in terms of uh, ethnicity. Uh, of course, we might find Hispanics all over the city, but for some reason, 
Cordova has attracted not only Hispanics, mostly from South America and uh, people from Middle East and Asia. But, you know, when one church is, 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 is planted in a particular location, there is a reason. Sometimes it may take a while for the church to realize that. But God had a reason in the beginning. Yeah. So when, when Trinity started 27 years ago, when they moved from First Baptist, uh, a group of people to, to the start church a church plant. Yeah, it was a church yeah. plant. Yeah. yeah, yeah. Out of uh, First Baptist Church. At that time, Cordova was was just like German town. Cordova was, you know, people moving away from downtown, you know, going to those part of towns. But things changed, and right now, I believe that uh, there's a purpose for us to be there. There's a purpose even for me to be there. Part of our our goals, or my goal as leading the missions aspect of the church, is really to to open our eyes to our community. Yeah. To see what are the where does it hurt, you know, in, in, in Cordova? That's a question I'm asking myself. Where does it hurt? Uh, is it uh, because of language? Is it because of economics? Is it because of uh, loneliness or whatever? Uh, if the church doesn't know where it hurts in the neighborhood, we're missing the point. We yeah. need to know. So we need to walk around, we need to talk to people, go to the, the local stores, restaurants, to see where the pain is, where the need is. And one thing you realize that uh, in Cordova, these people to, to, that moved to Memphis uh, or to Cordova from different reasons, okay, we're never to, to judge anything, but they're there. Yeah. That's, that's for us, this is enough to know that they're there, right? One of the main, main things that you need to thrive, to survive in a city is to, to learn the language. I realized that, you know, walking around, talking to people in different restaurants, that's, and also getting to know my church, our church, uh, with so many former teachers. I was surprised to, to, to realize that there are so many former teachers in my church. And then if you start to connect the dots, so many uh, former teachers, but they have the background of teaching, a multi-ethnic uh, area, Cordova, and then the need to learn English. So one thing we started was an English program. So we have a, a ESL program now for four years that, uh, in our church. 95% of the teachers are volunteers from the church. Right now, we, we enroll for this semester 143 students, and we have a waiting list, of, had a waiting list of 30 plus students because we cannot accommodate all of them. We cannot have like a classroom to teach English with 40 students because they're not gonna learn, right? So we're doing this kind of ministry, and uh, that's one way perhaps God is using us to reach out to our community. So we have classes twice a week, we follow a curriculum, the feedback that we have from people outside of the church and outside of our community is that we, we do have a good program. And that's our way to show love, Christ's love, through helping people to survive and thrive in the city. That's our contribution. So I'm, I'm you know, directing that program, yes. and, and, and that's one of the things that I do. I, I love how God has orchestrated all of this. Mm -hmm. You said that everything you needed to create this ministry was in place. Already there, yeah. It just had to connect the dots, you know, mm -hmm. and how God energized, mobilized, and put this together. But what about getting your people on board? You saw the need, obviously. Oh, yes. You learned where the hurt was, and you, mm -hmm. you've got a vision mm -hmm. for creating mm -hmm. this. Mm -hmm. But then you've got to communicate that oh, yes. to the people of God. Mm -hmm. And I'm going back to the point, Jerzy, where you as a minister of the gospel are to equip the saints mm -hmm. to do the work. We're the congregation. We are to be mm -hmm. equipped so that we can do the work. 
not just you do the work, oh, yes. but we come mm -hmm. alongside mm -hmm. and labor with you, labor with the ministry of the church to do that. Mm -hmm. How mm -hmm. difficult is that to communicate that mm -hmm. message mm -hmm. to the congregation, the people that you need to come help you to do this ministry? Yeah, the, the difficulty is when we're trying to create a vision that is not from God, then it's pretty hard. <laughs> but when the vision is from God, uh, Baron, I, I think God moves people's heart in a way that surprises us. And this is what happened. When I first thought about the, 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 the starting an English uh, ESL program at the church, I thought, well, maybe it will take me one year to convince people, to mobilize our folks, to train them. And so when I start just spreading the word, you know, what about, what do you think, you know, with different church members, what about starting an English class? Would you be interested in joining and participate? I was surprised that just in, in one or two weeks, I had 12 people say, I will do it. I will I'll, I'll join you. Yeah. So, I mean, it was a God thing. Yeah. It was a God thing wow. uh, because that's the whole work of the Holy Spirit. Yes. Right? Yeah. Didn't Jesus say that we should pray for the, for the laborers? Because he's going to call them. Yeah. We, we pray and he calls. And this is exactly what happened. The fields are white at the harvest, right? Yeah. They're ready. We just have to <laughs> Exactly. So, uh, but of course, we want to do a ministry in a good way. I talk to people to learn how to do it. I attend some seminars on doing it. And, and one thing that I learned pretty soon is that when I do a, a free training or a free classes, it's like if you offer free coffee, but the coffee is very bad. What will happen? In the beginning, they will come for the yeah. free coffee, yeah. but they're not going to come back. So if you offer free coffee, let's offer a, a good coffee, <laughs> like this one that I have in my hands <laughs> right now. So that's my goal. Let's offer a program that is free for our community, but let's do it with excellence. Let's do it in a God-honoring way. Let's do it in a way that people will learn English, not just come to a church or, or just be here. I passed on that kind of vision and, and that's I think what grabbed their attention, the, the, the members of yes. our church, because they want to do it in a, in a nice way, good way uh, with excellency. So I have to admit, I was surprised for the response. So I did a weekend workshop. We do continuous education, but people came uh, in November and in January we started our program. Those things, when, when God is calling us to do something, yeah. I mean, it, it, it may sound like a jargon, like a no. cliche, yeah. but he is already moving the heart of people toward that goal. And I, that's the only way I, to describe what's going on. And there. I think oftentimes those members in your church are looking for opportunities. They want to be used by God. They see that God has a plan. How mm -hmm. can we practically present the gospel in ways that draw people in? They just need some places to plug in, knowing how exactly. to do it, you know, provide those opportunities. Exactly. Uh, that's the experience that I had in my church, and I believe it may be the reality of every single church. People are waiting for somebody to say, let's do it. People are, are eager to say, Pastor, tell us what to do. We'll do it. Yeah. We need to be always, you know, in connection with the Lord and in connection with our community. When I mentioned before, to, yeah. to find out the hurts of the city. Okay, that's one thing. So if you don't walk around, we don't know where it hurts. And, and then to know the people that we have in our congregation. So in other words, I think in every single church, there are people just waiting for the leaders to say, tell us what to do. Yeah. We will go. We'll follow you. Yeah. So we, we need to have that boldness, uh, Byron, as a pastor, that if God is, is giving you some sort of vision, don't be afraid to do it. Have that goal and that vision in place and call. If it's not from the Lord, people are not going to come. That's then right. it's a good way to reevaluate. Yeah. Is it really from God or just my, my yes. idea? Yeah. Well, we mentioned, Jerison, that you wear two hats as associate pastor, not only in missions, but also in education. Mm -hmm. Can we talk a little bit about 
the education aspect of it, knowing how you find the curriculum. Obviously, you work with the pastor. LifeWay produces incredible curriculum. Mm -hmm. When you're looking to educate your people, all the way from nursery school to senior adults, Mm -hmm. all in between, relevant curriculum, Bible-based, that's such a big responsibility. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. It is one of the main uh, ministers of the of, uh, of the church is to help people to be grounded on, in Scripture. Nowadays, uh, more than ever, we need to be grounded in Scripture in everything we do. In, in our case, particularly uh, uh, Trinity Baptist Church, when I arrived, there was already a very solid Sunday school program. In our church, different from some other churches. I'm not saying one way is better than the other. But many churches are moving to small groups or have moved to small groups, cell groups, home groups, things like that. They're great. In Brazil, I was leading a large church with that ministry of small groups. So I really love that kind of thing. But for some reason, our church in particular, they, they have a strong, still a very strong Sunday school ministry. You know, I have to say that I trust my teachers and I allow, allow them to choose their curriculum. And I, I emphasize one thing, though, is that we are not there to pass on information, but to transform life. Moody has a, a sentence that says, the Bible was, was not given us to give information, but to provide transformation. So that's one thing, you know. Do you have teacher training and, oh, and yeah, workshops yeah, we that do, they go through? Exactly. We do, we do some, yes. The emphasis that I always want to give is, you know, don't make this a place where you can just expose your Bible knowledge for these folks. The, the focus is transformation right? Transformation. So our our last uh, uh, teacher's meeting, I mentioned about the three principles, most important principles for for Christian education, for for teaching. Let's see if I can remember from the top of my (laughs) mind right now. I didn't prepare for that. (laughs) But one has to do with teaching to transform lives. Don't teach just to pass on Bible knowledge or biblical information. Here in America, let's face it, there's so many resources. Oh. You can know about the Bible. You, 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 you just open your computer. You have so many resources. Uh, books. You go to libraries. You, even a public library. I was surprised. I went to a public library here in Cordova. The biblical sector, you know, Bible commentaries was bigger than my own library. at the public <laughs> yeah. library here. So we have so many resources. So uh, the greatest need is not so much to, to give information about Scripture, but how Scripture transforms our lives. So... Uh, that was the first principle to, for excellency in teaching is to teach to transform life. The second thing is to engage the students, right? Adult education is different than, than children education. A child will, will sit there and learn whatever you say, and they'll say, okay, yes, that's, that's great. Uh, but when you as a teacher, you are in front of a group of people, first of all, realize that they already have a lot of knowledge, so tap on that knowledge. Don't pretend that you are there just to pass on. So asking questions them, too. Asking questions. Learning where they yes, are. Yeah. Exactly. So engage the student. Just like Jesus. You know, if you read the Gospels, you see the incredible creativity that Jesus had. The different methodologies that he used. So I'm surprised. And I compare to a Sunday school class where Sunday after Sunday, there's one teacher with a lot of knowledge just lecturing to people. It is totally the opposite of what Jesus was doing. Right? Yeah, Engaging yeah. people all the time. So, and, and the third, let's see. Engaging people. Oh, faithful to Scripture. That's the first one. <laughs> if you want to be, so in summary, if you want to be a good Sunday school teacher, okay, three things you have to keep in mind. Faithful to Scripture. What's the point of being an excellent teacher, of engaging your students, if you're not teaching the right, the truth, yes. the gospel? Yes. So faithful to Scripture. Second, uh, teach to transform lives. And, and third, 
engage your students. So that's what I'm trying to pass on to our, our, our teachers. Wow, yeah. what a great model for leadership in the church, having that education of uh, program that's not really a program it's a lifestyle it's a focus it's a lifestyle yeah and it should be our lifestyle as believers as we instill Mm -hmm. you know those principles i mean we should always focus on the scripture really start Mm -hmm. that's the starting point right yes Yes. okay now sunday mornings associate pastor what's your responsibilities on sunday Mm -hmm. morning yeah uh, well i do have my sunday school class you teach class yes yes i love teaching there's a need that here i am and i need to practice what i preach right (laughs) so i teach a sunday school class and then uh I don't preach much. Pastor Matt is a new senior pastor in our church. He preaches, and he has a program here, even in, at Bot Radio. You know, during the week, there's a Matt Minute. There's a Matt Minute. Yeah, That's right. yeah, yeah. So, uh, so every once in a while, I, I mean, we kind of rotate our staff who does the announcement or the intercessory prayer. That's part of my my uh, ministry. Uh, but also, right now, because of COVID, th- things change a lot. But before COVID, I was also responsible for a time of fellowship between Sunday school class and the service, you know, with coffee and that kind of fellowship right. to integrate. So that's basically what, what I do. I, I, I teach my Sunday school class and my role is to mingle with people and to know what's going on and, and take part of the service. Yeah. yeah. Unfortunately, I don't sing solos and things like that, so I'm not, uh, that's not my... my <laughs> do you play guitar? I do, I do play, but do not, really? not in front of, a, of the congregation. <laughs> Garrison, this has yeah. been so wonderful to meet you and to hear the story of what God is doing through your ministry and for His kingdom, for His glory. Amen. So if folks want more information about Trinity Baptist Church, I know you're located at Sanger Road at Trinity in Cordova. Exactly. How can we learn more about the church? Yeah, we are uh, on Cordova, as you mentioned. Most people know where Walmart is on, on Germantown, so that's the road, Trinity Road. Uh, we have services uh, Sunday morning, 1030. That's the time of our service. A nine o'clock Sunday school class. So you, you can come to our Sunday school class on, on uh, Sunday morning, uh, nine o'clock, 1030 uh, our uh, service. And Wednesdays we have the typical dinner, fellowship dinner. It's always wonderful. Six o'clock we have Bible study. I, I teach one group, Pastor Matt teach another group. And uh, that's one way to engage. Uh, and then uh, of course, during the week, we serve and offer different programs. Our, our, if you want to get want to know about our ESL program, Mondays and Thursdays, yeah. we have our ESL program. If some of our listeners, if you know somebody that needs to learn English, please send them to us, yes. okay? Our classes are evening of, of Monday and Thursday, so we're going to be there, a group of teachers there to help. And we have, uh, right now, we have eight different classes. So uh, that's one way to serve our community as well. Awesome. Cheers and girls. God bless you, my friend. Thank you so much for stopping by and sharing with Bot Radio today. My pleasure. God bless you, Byron, and your our listeners. And may God touch your heart. Even today, those of us who are listening, remember God loves you and Jesus died for you. And uh, there is hope. There is hope with Jesus. Amen. There is. Well, friends, that's all the time we have on this edition of our program. Thanks for stopping by. I'm Byron Tyler, and we'll talk to you next time. Bye-bye.